You are welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Thank you, Lord. I have a few minutes to say something very important. Hallelujah. And um, I want to believe that it is just an introduction into what we'll be looking deeper into. Hallelujah. This evening I want to talk to you about the wonder of the blood of Jesus. The wonder of His blood. And... um, I believe that a lot of believers in Christ need to learn how to take advantage of the supernatural advantage that they have. The Bible says that whoever is born of God, the King James uses the language, whatsoever is born of God has overcome the world. It says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. That our faith is in blood. Hallelujah. So, we need to recognize that we have an edge over the world. We have a supernatural advantage over the world. And we need to learn how to use that advantage. Not some of the time. Not stumble into the advantage. You know, sometimes we stumble into the advantage. But how to consciously, deliberately use that advantage. One day, the Spirit of God whispered to me. I was reading something. And I remembered a statement that says that behind every fortune, is a crime. And for the fact that, you know, people believe that if somebody is wealthy, if somebody is doing well, there's, there's an unseen, there's something, there's something shady that would have happened. If we were not well taught from God's word, most of us, or some of us, might have that idea that there's no how somebody can be... And I don't know why they always use wrong language about wealth. They say, stinkingly rich. And so they cannot imagine how someone can be that wealthy without dabbling into things that are unexplainable. And so somehow that statement behind every fortune is a crime has stuck in the minds of people. People have grown with that thought. It has become a conviction in their hearts. And so whether you like it or not, Somehow you feel that for you to be outstandingly prosperous or wealthy, there must be some fraud. But the Bible tells us otherwise. The Spirit of God said to me, no, 
Behind every fortune is a sacrifice. Not a crime. Look closely. Behind every fortune is a sacrifice. And that made me begin to study about sacrifice. Now, um, sacrifice means a lot. And today, I might not be explaining that. I've seen that this teaching is going to go in four or five different directions. But let's start. Amen. Let's start. And so, people strive. You know, they work hard. People go to work, put in 10 hours. Sometimes put in 8, 12 hours, 14 hours. Some might even put in 16 hours. Just to break even in their business. You understand that? To gain an advantage over others that are in competition with them or their pairs. And whatever strain they put on themselves, most of the time they are sacrificing their health for wealth. Hello? Are you with me? So the man finally makes it. He has a target to be on Forbes list. He finally makes it without, you understand that, with some Parkinson. Are you understanding me? He finally arrives there, but he cannot eat food. Amen. He finally arrives there, but he, he pulls on his bed. Are you understanding me? So he has achieved it, but not without a sacrifice. Something had to go. He lost something to gain something. Are you with me? That's the idea of sacrifice. Then some people discover that they didn't have to be the ones to lose something that way. And so... They went the other way and the devil said, look, I know something that works. If you want this kind of thing, you don't have to sweat like others. You just bring an exchange. And then they provide some human sacrifice. And then you all agree that almost immediately, something begins to happen in that individual's life. Is that not so? And everybody say, no, no, this is not ordinary, this is not ordinary. After these teachings, that's what they'll be saying about you. Amen. That's the same way. They'll say, no, 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 this is not ordinary, this is not ordinary, this is not ordinary. Every principle, permit me to use the language, that the devil uses, he learned it from God. I hope you know that. He learned it from God. If the devil is persistent, he learned persistence from God. Amen. If the devil is organized, he learned it from God. Am I communicating? So the idea of sacrifice didn't come originally from Satan. But there are laws in the spirit that the devil understands. And he uses it negatively to further his agenda. So today, you will see how it works to further the agenda of heaven. And how you will use it to your advantage. So let this thought stick in your spirit. Behind every fortune is a sacrifice. For us in Christ, we don't have to make another sacrifice. Because there is a sacrifice that has already been what? Been made. Amen. So behind our fortune is the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Hallelujah. 
Are we together? That's what's behind our fortune. So we need to know how to invoke that sacrifice, so to speak. Deliberately. To further our agenda in life. To execute the things that are in our hands. So that we function in this place. Where whatsoever is born of God overcomes and has an edge over the world. Amen. That means that if you are doing this, there's nobody, no human person in the world, hallelujah, that is walking using his intelligence that can beat you. Amen. Are you understanding me? Because there are unseen forces at work in your own business, in your own family, in your own life that they cannot invoke. And I'm using the words deliberately. The idea of blood did not even start with man. Glory to God. It didn't start with man. You know, but you find that what happened was that man learned about it and some of them started using it negatively. But it didn't start with man. So we're going to look at a few scriptures and if I just succeed in laying a good foundation this evening that we can all run with, um, then we've done a good job. Hallelujah. So should we go? Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Alright. Now, um, most of the time when we have meetings like this and we want to take on a particular subject and look at it from all angles, you'll find that there are many entry points you could enter it from. But the consideration always is for the one that the idea is totally new to. So that if this is the first time you're hearing about that kind of thing, you can understand it. Are we together? So we're going to kick off that way. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So I'm going to show you first of all in scripture, before I start bombarding you with scriptures, I have like 150 scriptures. <laughs> we might read 148 of them if time permits us. Alright, but, but um, let, let's, I'll just pick a few and we'll deal with that. Glory to Jesus. First of all, you find, let, let me start with the story to explain to you that the idea of substitution, everybody says substitution. The idea of exchanging life for life or life for death or death for life whichever one exchanging it came from God hallelujah it came from God and you find that it is not just in the New Testament but down down back in the Old Testament we see the practice on consistently and then it all culminates in the death of Jesus Christ. And so today, we are not trying to make another sacrifice. We are learning how to take advantage of the sacrifice that has been made already for us. How to actually be blood conscious. How to be sacrifice conscious. That was what made Abraham different. That was what made, you see, some of the characters you see in scripture, it was that consciousness 
You might call it covenant consciousness. But what is covenant? The word covenant means to cut. Are you understanding me? To cut. If we are in covenant, say we cut something. It's blood. So the covenant consciousness is simply blood consciousness. That this thing is not just what we are seeing. There is something behind or beyond what our eyes can see. So, what normally happens when you hear the word covenant is that there is a weaker partner and there is a stronger partner. And the weaker partner enters the covenant with the stronger partner to benefit from the strength of the stronger partner. Are you listening to me? That's why we are in covenant. Amen. Are we together? So, our weakness has been exchanged for his strength. Am I communicating? So, in our endeavors in life, we don't run on our strengths because we are in covenants. So we invoke that strength that we are connected to to speak on our behalf in our endeavors. That's blood consciousness. That's sacrifice consciousness. But get the idea that it did not start with man. It's not a human being that sat down and thought of the best way to kick off and start and do all these things. No, 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 no. It is a law in the spirit. You know, sometimes we'll talk about laws. Because in recent times, there have been a lot of teachings on grace and law. They're mistaking what we're saying. When we talk about laws in that context, we're not talking about the law, the mosaic law. We're talking about governing principles of life. Are you understanding me? That's what we're talking about. If you read the scriptures in Romans 8, 1 and 2, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Who walk not after his flesh, but after his spirit. Then he says in verse 2, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He's not talking about the Ten Commandments. Had made us free. Then he said, from the law of sin and death. He's not talking about law. What he's talking about is that there is a governing principle that produces sin and death in, the life, in, a, man, in a man's life. That there is a higher principle, hallelujah, that has delivered man from that other principle. It's just like gravity sus- is suspended by the law of lift. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? That when the law of lift is imposed upon gravity, it suspends gravity. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from law, sin and death. That blood you plead is to invoke that law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That suspends the natural cause of life that produces sickness in your body. That produces failure, bankruptcy in your business. Are you understanding me? Those normal things that happen, that produce recession in a country. There's a law of spirit of life invokes. That suspends out that law. And so men and women that understand how that law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus functions. Are the ones that the scripture we read. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes. Overcomes. Others on the ground, you are flying. Amen. Why? There's a higher law at work. There's a higher force at work. Are we together? Okay? So, this blood consciousness, this sacrifice consciousness, this covenant consciousness, is what all of us must enter. We'll close this year with that consciousness. Listen. When we got born again, understand that blood brought us in. 
and we were brought into blood. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 12, the popular scripture you know, it says, we have come unto Mount Zion. It's not talking about where we have come to. In case, oh, you know, someone can describe to you and say, oh, do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? Say, ah, you are in so-so place. Maybe you enter a new city. They say, you are in so-so place. The capital city of so-so. It was taking time in Hebrews to explain what you entered when you got born again. That you have come unto Mount Zion. He said, unto the city of the living God. Now, that one looks lovely. A city. Whoa, glory to God. Heavenly Jerusalem. To an, then he starts talking about something beyond that. And I said, you have come into an innumerable company. Company means that you're not alone. You have associates that are angels that you have come into. That means the day you got born again, you came into what? An innumerable company of angels. Not one angel, not two, not three, not four, not five. Innumerable company of angels. That means as many angels as you need and much more are at your disposal. That's what you came into. So this salvation, that's what it brought you into. It brought you into an innumerable company of angels. Then he goes further to say, he says, next verse 23, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. The church of the firstborn. Of course, talking about Jesus. Which are written in heaven. And to God, the judge of all. That's where you've come to. You've come to God. Hallelujah. And to the spirits, amen, of just men made perfect. Glory to God. Are you understanding me? It means you are also a spirit. You are a just man that has been made perfect. Hallelujah. So you are in a company of just men made perfect. But where we are going to is this. In Acts 24, which is my focus. He said, you have come to Jesus. Amen. The mediator of the new covenant. He said talking about covenant now. That's where you have come to. The mediator of the new covenant. You know why it's called the mediator of the new covenant? This covenant that you are in, is not you that struck it with God. Jesus entered into it with God on your behalf and brought you in. Amen. Glory to God. So, he's the mediator of the new covenant. And you've come to that place. Then I love it. He said, hey, it's not that you just came to. You also came into blood. Amen. Say, I came into blood. He now said, look, 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 look. You came into blood. That means that when you entered, hallelujah, you entered into something that has blood attached to it. You have come for the blood of sprinkling that, hey, that speaketh. It's not a blood that is silent. It's not a blood that does not say anything. See, it's a blood with life in it. It didn't say you come to a blood that spoke. No, 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 no. You have come to a speaking. It's consciously it's still speaking. It's a speaking blood. It's a speaking blood. As we speak, it is speaking. Now, before we come to what it speaks, recognize something. In Genesis chapter 4, we know that Cain and Abel were brothers, and Cain killed Abel. God asked Cain a question, where is your brother? You know the conversation that went on. Then God said, the voice of your brother's blood cried out to me 
from the earth that opened her mouth and drank his blood. That was the first time we saw blood shed in scripture. Human blood. And we saw how the elements responded to human blood. First, the blood was shed on earth, but the voice was heard in heaven. Second, the earth itself reacted against the blood. Because God said, because of this blood, the earth itself will not yield fruit to you. Are you listening to me? He said, because of this blood that has been shed, and what the blood is saying, because of what the blood is saying against you, the earth will not yield her fruit to you. Oh, this was human blood. Hallelujah. Two things. One, the blood, the voice of that blood was heard in heaven. But it was, it, it, it was slain. The blood was spilled on earth. Secondly, the earth that the blood was spilled on also had to agree with the blood that was spilled on it. Whatever the blood said to it is what the earth did. Except to be acted on by a higher force. So God was saying, look, even the earth will not yield to you because of this blood that is crying out. Now, God had to intervene in that matter. The Bible says, it was comparing the blood of Jesus to the blood of Abel. That just as Abel's blood cried out, and God in heaven responded, in the same manner, there is another blood that is crying, that is speaking. The difference is that this blood is not crying out for vengeance. Are you understanding me? This blood is releasing favor. Hello? And in the same way, the blood of Jesus was spilled on earth. Are we together? How many of you know that? It was spilled on earth. It was spilled on earth. But I love something about the scriptures. The blood was not just spilled on earth. The Bible says Jesus went into heaven to offer his blood. Are you understanding me? That means that that blood, I'll show you scriptures, is also speaking from heaven. Are we together? But that's not the direction I'm going this evening. What I want to show you is this. The scripture said that the blood of sprinkling, everything that was said here is in present continuous tense. He talked about the sprinkling as something that is still happening today. That means that the day you got born again, in the old covenants, what happens is that the high priest would take what they call the hyssop. Alright? They tie some things around it. And then they will mix the blood with water and all the other things. Then he will dip it. And, you know, dip it and then splash. But that's sprinkling. To consecrate all the elements 
in the tabernacle. And then when Moses also was establishing the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, he did the same thing and spilled it over the book and over the people. Are you understanding me? So, as long as you were in that congregation, it was spilled over you, you have entered this covenant. Are you understanding me? Now, the Bible is saying that the same thing that was done is what has happened and is still happening to you. As you are born again and in Christ Jesus, there is a blood that is continuously sprinkled. Amen. Over you. Glory to God. Over you. And it's still speaking. It didn't just speak at the beginning. It's still speaking now. It will speak, speak tomorrow. But you see, that blood and what it is speaking manifest in your life when you are conscious of it. Amen. Are we together? So we have come into blood. Say we have come into blood. The blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things. That speaketh better things than that of Abel. Glory to Jesus. Now, the idea of blood, even the people at that time didn't really understand it, but you, you find that God introduced it. And generation after generation, they carried that idea with them. Why was Cain's offering not accepted? And Abel's offering was accepted. We were told in the New Testament, in Hebrews 11 chapter, that by faith, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. That's the language that was used. Now, anytime you see faith in Scripture, it's good to say our faith is in Christ Jesus. But in actual fact, our faith is in the sacrifice. Because if your faith is in Jesus, you know, we talk about the historic Jesus. Jesus walks. You know, they've seen that song. I love that man of Galilee, for he has done so very much for me. Are you understand me? That man of Galilee, our faith is not in that one. When he walked in Galilee, he had not made the sacrifice. Without his crucifixion, we will not be saved. If Jesus just came and walked miracles in, in Jerusalem and died, and did not shed blood for us, will not be saved. Are you understanding me? What has saved us is that Jesus shed his blood. Are you understanding me? So our faith is actually in the blood that was shed for us. I go back again. So when the Bible says, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. What, what was his faith in? In the blood he offered. In the blood he offered. That means that by that time, God already taught them about sacrifice, substitution, blood. How do we know that? Genesis 3. Let's go to Genesis 3. Let me show you something. In Genesis, the third chapter, I'll read verse 21. It says there, 
Now, you know the story, so uh, for sake of time, just skip. Adam sinned, and um, when Adam sinned, he discovered that he was naked. Alright? Then what did he do? He made aprons from leaves, plants, and covered his nakedness. That's self-effort. Are you understanding me? Trying to cover his nakedness. The consequence of his sin, he was trying to take care of it by himself. And God, for the first time, introduced something. This is the first time sin ever happened in Adam. The Bible says, unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord do what? Make coats of skins. Amen. And clothed them. Now, for him to make coat of skin, he must have killed an animal. Are you understanding me? And there is blood. And he covered them. What God was saying was that a man's sins cannot be atoned for without blood. So, because of that, God, for the first time, took the coat of skins and covered Adam. Now, from that point forward, it might not have been directly mentioned, but it is implied that they now knew that blood had to be shed. Innocent life or blood has to be shed for a guilty person. Are you understanding me? That that's how it works. That nothing appeases the wrath of God apart from blood. Amen. Leviticus 17. Give me verse 11. In the 11th verse there, God was teaching them something. He was telling them about blood and he taught a lot about blood in scripture. He said, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. He's talking about the physical person. Anything that leads. The life. What gives it life is in the blood. Is in the blood. Before this time, in Genesis, God had to tell Noah, Hey, hey, hey. Don't eat blood. Hallelujah. And don't shed the blood of a man. He was telling Noah. Now, as he was establishing the law, the Mosaic law, he began to show them the place of blood. So he said, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. That means that the only way you can make atonement for a soul is by blood. He says, for it is the blood. Everybody say, it is the blood. That maketh an atonement. For what? For the soul. Nothing else. Only blood. Now, okay, okay, okay. The challenge now is that there are some big words that we need to explain. What is atonement? What is atonement? There are words that you must understand. You know, there are a lot of words that 
they look similar, but they mean different things. Let me just run through a few of them. Redemption. Justification. Sanctification. Remission. Forgiveness. Atonement. All these words sometimes are used interchangeably, but if you study closely, they mean different things. So here, he used the word atonement. And most part of the Old Testament, you'll find that word atonement so many times. The word atonement is found only once in the New Testament. You find in Romans 5.11. Just once. But in the Old Testament, it's littered all around. Why? Because in the New Testament, what we have is more than an atonement. So, let's first know what an atonement is. Now, um, I'm condensing several scriptures in one, alright? So, I'll explain it this way. Whenever someone sins, he has said that blood has to be used. And in this case now, it is animal sacrifice that God was talking about. To atone. Atone means to cover. Hallelujah. To cover. That means that God can relate with you and not see the sin. Atonement means that, doesn't mean the sin is taken away. It means it is covered. Hello? Is hidden from the sight of God. The Bible says that God is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. So when God shows up, the blood covers the iniquity. So he can relate with you. Amen. Are you seeing that? Then, atonement also is time dependent. It's not forever. That blood wears out. And it has to be renewed. Hello? So, in the Jewish practice, they had atonement for the whole nation. Which the high priest conducts once in a year, the day of atonement. Hallelujah. So once in a year, that's offered. But it only holds for one year. And then another one has to be offered again next year. And year after year, atonement has to be offered. Hallelujah. Why? Because there's a law in the spirits. Give me Hebrews 9.22. We'll come back here. In Hebrews 9.22, it says there, um, let me read from 21 and then we'll get to 22. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle, talking about Moses, and all the vessels of the ministry. That's the sprinkled blood and everything that has to do, that God is going to use, or is related to the, the tabernacle. Okay? Verse 22. Why? And almost all things by the law, purged with blood, and without shedding of blood, is no remission. Hallelujah. Of course, it's talking about sin. That means that there's nothing that can appease sin apart from blood. Did you see that? We'll go back to Leviticus 17. He said, I have given you blood for the atonement of your soul. Amen. So when you come to the altar, you use blood to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood. It is the blood that maketh an atonement for soul. Hallelujah. It is the blood that maketh atonement what? For the soul. Very important. Very important. Now, this understanding 
is what God did with them in Genesis 3.21 where he put the coat of skin around them. So when Cain and Abel came to God if the scripture said by faith Abel offered a more sacrifice that means Abel had faith in the blood he was offering because he brought of the firstlings of his flock hallelujah blood was shed so the Bible says God was pleased with Abel's offering and that's why in Hebrews 11 Abel is the first person that was mentioned because he was the first person that accepted what God wanted and offered blood sacrifice Amen. Are we together? So among the patriarchs of faith, that means that every other one must have had faith in and had revelation of the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. That's why their names were listed. So Cain brought of the fruit of the ground his own efforts. He brought his sweats to God. Remember that when Cain and Abel were functioning, there was no law. There was no Ten Commandments. So it actually means that God always accepts us based on the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. It's blood that appeals to him. Blood that appeals to him. Not works. Not man's efforts. This was before law. This was long before law. So an offering was rejected because it didn't come with blood. Are you with me? Let me just digress a bit. That's what your tithe actually is. Your tithe is you taking your effort and dipping it in blood. Amen. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's why when you don't tithe, you are expecting to prosper based on your efforts. But that money you made is your sweat. You take it and dip it in blood and offer it to God. That's what the tithe is. That's just by the way. Now, what we come to something very important is the fact that when a believer understands this, everything about you will change. Any practice you see in Genesis before the law that any of the patriarchs practiced, look at it very well. There's something God likes about it. Are you with me? Yes. Any kind of transaction you see, especially in Genesis, look at it closely. It is still relevant today. Am I communicating? So, go back to Genesis 3.21. Now, so, God made coats of skin and covered them. Understand something here. They didn't tell us the animal that God killed. But we know that an animal was killed. I don't know if Adam and Eve were there when God killed the animal and did it. But I believe strongly that when that was done, the understanding of blood sacrifice was communicated to them. That was why Cain and Abel, in their own time, wanted to give an offering. Their parents must have taught them. Are you listening to me? The Bible didn't talk... See, Genesis 4. Okay, go to Genesis 4. Start from verse 1. The Bible didn't talk like they were doing it for the first time. It says, And Adam, and, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Verse 2. 
And she again bore his brother Abel. So I was, when I read this, I always explain that they were not twins. Cain was older than Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. It's not the, their profession was not the problem. No, it was not the problem. Their profession was not the problem. It's how their profession was connected to blood. That was the problem. Amen. Verse 3. Are you hearing me? Are you, your profession is not the problem. A carpenter connected to blood will prosper even more than, are you understanding me, a contractor not contract, a con- connected with blood. And let me digress a bit. I mean, not see when all those people would go and kill their mother for juju. It doesn't matter. Is it that all of them do the same business? All the people that do blood money, do they do the same business? Is it that there is? No. Any business they face, you can start selling chairs. You can start selling importing. Are you understanding me? Anyone they face, that thing will speak inside it. So your business is not your problem. It is what is the blood that is not connected to that thing you are doing. Are you understanding me? Are you getting me? Uh-huh. That's the issue. Now, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So Cain brought. Brought. Then he said, Abel also, he also brought. The question to ask is, who told them that God accepts offerings? That is the most have been thought. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Okay? Because it's not that like when they came, God now said, what are you doing? What is the meaning of this thing? God understood what they were doing. They understood what they were doing. Are you with me? God understood what they were doing. They too understood what they were doing. So they must have been taught by God. So when they brought the offering to God, what he was not concerned about was how or what they were, how they brought it. No, 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 this is not supposed to be like this. And he actually won king. Amen. He won king. But what I'm trying to show you here is that they understood the place of offerings and sacrifices as early as Genesis 4. And we saw sacrifice and blood as early as Genesis 3. You go further down, then you get to Noah. When Noah came out of that flood, he also was offered sacrifice to God. The Bible said God smelt a sweet, a smelling, you know, he, he, he accepted the offering. That means there was blood. Amen. Who taught Noah? Are you understanding me? It means that from the generation up to Noah, they have already known what blood sacrifice was. You skip Noah, you get to Abraham. Hallelujah. Now, there are many things in Abraham's life, but we just jump to Genesis 22. In Genesis 22, we now saw where Abraham, God now told him, hey, Take your son, your only son, and offer him. You know the story. Abraham was on his way to offer his son. There was a conversation that took place between Abraham and his son, Isaac. So I want to show you that conversation. Okay? And then, it will make you see that as at that time, they already understood blood sacrifice. Amen. And that Abraham knew something about blood sacrifice. And that's why Abraham's life was different. Praise Jesus. It says there. 
Um, let me read from verse 3 for sake of time. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took off his young, two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering. So there's wood. And rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Skip to verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. That was a picture of Jesus carrying the cross. Isaac carrying the wood was a picture of Jesus carrying the cross. Are you seeing that? He laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went, both of them, together. So, a knife, fire, you know how they carry fire in those days? They have, you know, they carry fire, literally, on burning or something. Yes, and then, both of them were going. Something happened in verse 7. Watch this. Isaac, and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. You could see that they had a relationship, a good one. It was not like, This son has been troubling me, I'm going to kill him. You know? No, 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 no. It was sacrifice. Amen. Alright? And he said, Behold, this is Isaac speaking, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is what? The lamb for a burnt offering. That means that this scripture has taught us another thing. First, it confirms the idea that offerings and giving of sacrifices was normal. Amen. But it gives us another idea that what they use for burnt offerings is a lamb. Amen. That God had taught them they should use lamb. Because Isaac was about 13 years old at this time. So he said, Ah, see knife, see, where is the lamb? That means he understood they were going for sacrifice. But all the elements are not complete. What about the lamb? He didn't know he was the lamb. Are you understanding me? What about the lamb? What about the lamb? What about the lamb? Abraham, remember, he was a prophet. Genesis 20 told us that. He was a prophet. He spoke prophetically. Verse 8. And Abraham said, My son. Let's read together. I want to go. Did you see that? What did he say? God will do what? Thank you, Lord Jesus. He was not just talking about the thing that just happened a few hours after he said it. He was speaking of the visions he had seen. That when we were reading the New Testament after, we saw that the reason why Abraham was so confident to carry Isaac and sacrifice him was that he believed that Isaac would be raised again. Because in the visions of God... He saw God's son die and resurrect. In Abraham's day, nobody had ever defeated death. But Abraham saw a vision and saw death defeated. 
So he believes. How do we know? John 8.56 tells us that. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. Amen. Amen. He said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. That means Abraham saw the visions. See, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. He was talking about how Abraham saw. So Abraham was acting out what he saw God do. So he said, in the picture, God brought his son. In the picture, God provided and God raised him. Amen. That's the same thing I'm going to do. God shall provide himself a lamb. Fast forward to John chapter 1, verse 29. In John 1, 29, a man called John the Baptist, the last of the prophets, he said, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith what? Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. God has provided himself a lamb. I said God has provided himself a lamb. In the Old Testament, a man had to bring his own lamb. He had to bring his own animal. Let me show you two scriptures. I won't close my nine. One is in Leviticus 6 verse 7. Numbers 15 28. Any of them will suffice. But um, it was telling us about how okay, and the priest shall make an atonement for him. That means if a man sins, he has to bring his own animal. So, but in Bible days, you know, when the law started, before the law, let me just clear it some areas. Before the law, if a man sinned, he offered the sacrifice by himself. When the law started, God said, no, 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 don't offer by yourself. You will bring the sacrifice by yourself. But the priest will offer the blood for me. Amen. Sometimes the man himself will go slay the animal, cut the throat. But the priest will offer it. Then it is accepted. If you offer it any other place, it's not accepted. Are you with me? That you kill the lamb somewhere doesn't mean it's a sacrifice acceptable to God. The priest has to offer it to God for it to be accepted. Give me the Numbers fifteen twenty-eight. And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sinneth ignorantly. When he sinned by ignorance before the Lord to make an atonement for him, it shall be forgiven him. Now, he came all here just to talk about something. Atonement is the covering. Hallelujah. In the New Testament, what we have is more than an atonement. The only place in the New Testament where the word atonement was used was Romans 5.11 and it was a little, it was an error. You understand that? In the King James Version, because the Greek word there was not supposed to be translated atonement. Romans 5.11. Give me Romans 5.11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through, your Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. The Greek word there is not atonement. It's reconciliation. Catalogue. Reconciliation. We have received the reconciliation. Are we together? Now, that means that the New Testament... Provided more than an atonement. The word you see in the New Testament is remission. Amen. Everybody say remission. 
What is the difference between remission and atonement? See, you know for, my sins are forgiven. That is just a way that, because we speak English, and we are talking in a way that you can communicate. Forgiveness means that you did something, and I'm not holding that thing you did against you. Are you understanding me? Okay? The thing you did is there, but I'm not holding it against you. Remission is heavier than forgiveness. Remission means that I did not just forgive you of what you did. I blotted what you did away so that it, didn't, it doesn't exist. Are you understanding me? So, the blood of bulls and calves and, and lambs, what the blood did was that it atoned for, for, for sins of mankind. But the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, came and remitted our sins forever. So, go back to John 1.29. John 1.29 used the language, the blood that taketh away, amen, taketh away, it doesn't cover, it taketh away. Listen, your sins have been taken away. Let me show you something. Glory to Jesus. Forgive me, we're, we're running. Thank you, Father. Let me show you something. Hebrews 10, verse 10 and 11. My focus is 11. 10 and 11. My focus is 11. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Thank God that this blood is not every convention. Are you understanding me? It's not every convention. It's once. Let say once. Go back. Once. Once and what? Once for all. Verse 11. And every priest, he's talking about the Old Testament priest, standard daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never what? Take away sins. Amen. That's the point I want to bring out. It can never take away sins. It can never take away sins. Glory to God. John 1.29 Behold the Lamb of God that what? That Take it away. That means this blood is doing what animal blood cannot do. Are you understanding me? It's doing what the blood, all the blood shed under the old covenant could not achieve this. This blood came and it took away the sin of the whole world. That's why it is not difficult for you to understand that your sins have been forgiven past present and future. Amen. Are you understanding me? In the Old Testament, the sin is covered until next year. Then it's covered until next year. But in the New Covenant, your sin, hallelujah, has been blotted out like it never existed. In Exodus 12, the Passover, they came and God told them, put the blood on the lintel and the doorpost. Hallelujah. So they put it up and sideways. You know, you know the, when they say put, it's not like they dip their finger and touch. No. It's that same hyssop. Are you understanding me? When they take it and splash on the lintel, the blood drips down on the floor. Then they touch here and touch here. That's cross. So. Amen. Are you understanding me? That's the cross. So when Jesus said, I am the door, 
Let's not go there. Are you understanding me? So they put it this way, this way, and this way. When death comes, remember that the death was a judgment. Remember that. It was a judgment against Egypt. When death comes, it sees the blood. It does not negotiate. It passes over. It does not argue. That's what. It doesn't argue. It just passes over. Now, in the new covenant today, when you learn to put the blood over your door, hallelujah, in the same way, when the plagues that are plaguing every other human being come towards your business, it doesn't argue. It will what? Pass over. Listen, the reason is this. The scriptures, several scriptures talk about innocent blood being shed for the guilty. So anytime blood is shed, it means that the punishment that will come on this person has already been served. So, when there is blood over your business, it means that when, when austerity comes to your business, you say no, the punishment for austerity has already been served. Amen. It has already been served. So move on to the next one. Are you understanding? Then it passes over. The Passover is still happening to us today. Are you understanding me? The Passover is still being experienced today by the blood conscious believers. If you are blood conscious, you are still experiencing Passover. That means in the recession, there is a Passover happening to you. Okay, okay, okay. Are you understanding me? So, when the judgment... Now, you say, oh, Nigeria didn't do things right. That's why things have gone wrong. Whatever has gone wrong, when it comes to your doorstep, hallelujah, there is blood on it. And what happens? It passes over. And it passes over. Listen, there are many things that come. There are many things that come. What causes those things to turn back is the blood they see. That the blood of the Lamb has been shed. And I put up that blood. I put up that blood. Blood has been shed here. This evening we are closing this service. What we are doing, this communion we are taking, is that blood you are putting up. Amen. You know what you are doing in the realm of spirit? You are drawing a bloodline. Are you understanding me? You are drawing a bloodline. Say, you can't cross here now. Are you understanding me? And so when he comes to that bloodline, he will move on. Are you understanding me? He cannot cross the bloodline. The devil will not cross the bloodline. Lack will not cross the blood bloodline. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? Oppression will not pass the bloodline. Are you getting me? No plague that is experienced by any other person will come to that bloodline and cross. Then you now understand what the communion is. Listen to me. The ritual of the New Testament is communion. Are you listening to me? Are you understanding me? This is how we invoke our own. Are you understanding me? Okay? So in that your office, you come to the office in the morning. For the next few days, when you come, break bread. Take blood. Are you understanding me? And begin to announce, Hey! Blood over your house. Blood over your shop. And see what will happen. You know what has happened? When you start doing that, you are invoking. You are invoking. You know what you are invoking? The spirit of grace. Time will fail me. I will talk about that. The, the, the witness of the blood and the spirit of grace. Amen. That anytime blood is shed, spirits are invoked. Are you understanding me? That's why you heard that the blood of Abel, there was a voice in the blood. Blood is just liquid. Are you understanding me? But blood is not just liquid, so to speak. It's the meeting points between matter and spirit realm. Are you understanding me? So, when you understand that, anytime blood is shed, Spirits congregate. Are you understanding me? There's a spirit attached to it. So anytime you announce the blood of Jesus, the Holy Ghost, Amen, 
Because that blood is the blood of the Almighty Himself. Human blood, human blood has been shed on this earth. But God's own blood has been shed. Are you understanding me? And that blood is innocent blood. Precious blood. Eternal blood. Are you understanding me? It has been shed. And we are beneficiaries of that blood that has been shed. I end on this note to say that Jesus was on the cross. I remember in John 19, Jesus was on that cross. And while he was there, he cried out! After they put vinegar in his mouth, then he cried, it is finished. He said, I test. They put it, and they said, it's finished. Then the Bible said, he gave up the ghost. The soldiers did not believe he was dead. They said, how can he just die like that? How can he just die like that? But scripture had to be fulfilled. The scriptures had to be fulfilled. Kabbalah basutari. In Psalm 22, the psalmist said, I am like water that is poured out. All my bones are out of joints. He was saying that, you know how in, the, in, 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 in people that worship idols, they pour out libation. Jesus was God's libation. He has settled the earth for you. So, he said, I have been poured out as water. So when Jesus died on that cross, the Bible says, you know, then he made a statement in that Psalm 22. He said, my heart is like wax that has melted. What was saying that? His blood, his heart ruptured inside him. Are you understanding me? His heart ruptured. And the sack, the doctors would tell you, water and blood was inside of it. So when the soldier came and looked at him, the scripture was fulfilled that he shall be pierced. They that pierced him shall look up to him. Amen. You find that in Zechariah. So he came. And fulfill scripture. He pierced Jesus by the side. The Bible says blood and water came out. Blood and water came out. Blood and water came out. That blood and water touched this earth. Remember the same way the blood of Abel touched the earth. And the earth cried out. And said, we will, anything this blood says to us is what we will do to Abel. Sorry, Cain. Are you understanding me? When the blood of Jesus touched the earth, anything that blood has said to this earth is what it will do to you. Rise on your feet. Rise on your feet. Lift your hands everywhere. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Around the world, by the power of the Holy